My name is Sam. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, um, and uh, I, I'm so excited to be with you uh, to have been leading us through this series for the last four weeks, uh, Road Trip, Discover the Adventure God Has for You. Um, and it's been a bit of an adventure just going through this series. Um, if you'll remember four weeks ago, uh, we looked at um, how do we read the map? How do we orient our lives in order to know what the adventure that God has for us? And we said, hey, it all centers on Jesus. If you missed that, um, you can always go on our website and, and view the archives there. It's in video and audio format. Uh, so you can go check that out, get caught up, see what we're talking about when we say it's all about Jesus. Um, and then two weeks ago and last week, we spent a couple of weeks looking at the these um, roadblocks that, that we come against, these um, difficult seasons, these uh, really hard times that, that we face, and how do we approach that? What, what questions do we ask? How do we walk through those things? How do we discover God in the midst of those? We did that for a couple of weeks, and today we're going to continue and kind of wrap up this series um, with really discovering the adventure, walking into the adventure. And so if you've been waiting for this uh, since the beginning with that title, Discover the Adventure, today is your day. Today is the day we are going to discover that adventure. Most of us like adventure, at least to some degree. Uh, I remember uh, about a year ago, uh, some friends of ours, uh, in fact, members of our life group uh, and us, we went on a little vacation. Uh, We were really excited to go because it was adults only, no children, hallelujah. Parents, you know what I mean, right? And it was just an overnight trip, and we weren't going to be gone long. Uh, but we took, uh, we found a Groupon, and we were able to go to uh, this historic inn in Colorado. We thought it was going to be amazing. You may have heard of it. Uh, it's called the Redstone Inn in Redstone, Colorado. Um, and the internet is a wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it? Because on the internet, always you can find the absolute best about whatever it is that you're looking for, and it will look amazing. It will look beautiful. It will look fantastic on the internet. Always, right? And then you get there, and then we got there, and it wasn't bad. Like, I'm not, I'm not bashing this place. It was a good place. It was kind of neat. It was historic. I just didn't realize how historic it was going to be. It was more of my expectation, right? Like, I didn't realize that it was a historic carpet, that had been laid in like 18 whatever century it was, right? Like I didn't realize how old some of the stuff would be when we got there. Um, and I also didn't realize like how far like out of the way it is. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. There's, there's nothing around there. And so um, our friends and, and us, we went down to um, the kitchen there in the, in the hotel, the restaurant, uh, to have dinner. And um, really expecting, you know, we had read some reviews about that and it was supposed to be pretty good. And we looked at the menu and, and really kind of had an idea of what we were going to order, kind of getting excited about it. Anybody ever do that? Maybe it's just me. It's just me. Um, get excited about food, you know, oh, I'm going to have this, it's going to be so good, right? And so we're going down there, and we get there, and, and, and it wasn't awful, but it didn't meet the expectation. The service didn't meet the expectation. The food didn't meet the expectations. Just everything kind of fell short. We had been so excited about getting to this place and getting to do this thing, and when we got there, when we actually got to the destination, it just kind of fell short of our expectation. And how often does that happen to us? Different areas of life. I remember when I graduated high school, it wasn't that long ago. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, Some of you shouldn't be laughing. Um, 
but it wasn't that long ago, and I graduated high school, and I remember all of the ceremony and all the excitement leading up to that moment and, and ordering, you know, the, the gown and ordering the cap and, and getting you know, all these things ready and, and really walking up to that moment. And then, and then the moment happens, and, and you walk across the stage, and you get that piece of paper, and then you go back to your seat, and you're like, oh, I, I guess we're done. Right? I mean, it's just kind of like the, all this anticipation and then the actual destination just kind of disappoints a little bit. I remember um, uh, just a, a couple of years ago, we were working hard to pay off a credit card, really paying down that debt, you know, working our financial uh, peace university plan and, and, and our debt snowball and really trying to get rid of that debt. Uh, and, and we got to the point where we uh, paid off the credit card. You know, it was all this like build up to this moment. And, and I get online and I go, you know, here, here it comes. Here's the payment. I'm going to electronically transfer it from my checking account to my uh, credit card account. It's going to be paid off. And I saw the number go to zero. And then I was just kind of like, oh, it's a zero. Well, that was exciting. I guess we're here now. I mean, it's just, you know, have you had that experience in your life where you just like, you're so excited about the destination and then you get there and it's like, oh, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And unfortunately for so many of us, our walk with Jesus, our Christian life takes that same turn where we have this expectation that we're going to get somewhere, that we're going to arrive somewhere. And either we never get there or we do get to where we think we were supposed to be and it just doesn't quite meet the expectation. The beauty of it fades. The excitement of it fades. And I want to look today as we discover this adventure at a person in Scripture who had a similar experience and what Jesus says to him in that moment and what it can mean for us. If you have a Bible, you can turn uh, to the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 21. It's the very end of the book of John. Now, we're not going to start there, but that's where we're going to end up. And that's really the text that you should be looking at. Uh, We're going to start by looking at a few other things here with this character uh, named Peter. Now, some of you are familiar with the Apostle Peter. Uh, He walked with Jesus for three years. Uh, Before that, he was a fisherman. He ended up being uh, the Apostle really to the Jewish people, really kind of after Jesus uh, had returned. Peter ends up being in charge of the church in Jerusalem, really kind of the lead guy there, a really significant guy, wrote two of the letters in the New Testament, really, really significant guy in the history of our faith, but he didn't start out that way. Some of you know, uh, Peter started out as a fisherman, and one day, uh, Jesus comes up and Peter and his crew, they've been fishing all night um, and they haven't caught anything. And so uh, the sun has come up now, it's starting to get warm uh, and they pull the, the boats in and they're getting ready to clean them. And Jesus is teaching and a large crowd is pressing in on them and, and Jesus needs to get away from the crowd a little bit. And so he uses their boats. He asks them if he can use their boats as kind of a stage. And he gets on the boat, they put out just a little way from the shore um, and, and gets away from the crowds. And as they're out there, he says, hey, put down your nets on this side. And Peter is a fisherman. He's been a fisherman his whole life. His father was probably a fisherman. Uh, He knows fish. He knows that you don't fish in the middle of the day. He knows that the best time to catch fish is at night or in the evening or in the morning. He knows all this. And yet Jesus says, put down your nets. Uh, And Peter says, hey, we've been fishing all night and caught nothing. But because you said so, we'll do it. They put down the nets. And there are so many fish that it nearly capsizes the boat. They have to call another boat to pick up the other side of the net to be able to haul the catch in. This many fish. That's what happens. And then this is Peter's response to that. In Luke 5, 8, he says this, Simon Peter, when he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. 
And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Oh, that's better. That was, uh, well, hey, I love you enough to do it, but it would have hurt. All right. So here's Peter and the fishermen, right? Peter, James, and John, they're out fishing. And I love this. I love this story so much because what I love about this story is that it shows us something about Jesus. The way that Jesus reveals himself to these men is a way that only fishermen could appreciate. They knew fish. They knew this shouldn't have happened. They knew how much this shouldn't have happened. And Jesus comes and shows them what it is. And then what does he ask them to do? He says, hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come with me and you're going to stop catching fish. You're going to start catching people. And this is how Jesus comes to us. As I've talked to many of you and, and heard story after story, the way that Jesus reveals himself to us often is very unique and personal. And it hits us right where it needs to hit us. We just saw Samantha get baptized, and I had the privilege this week of talking to Samantha on the phone, and I know a little bit more about her story, and I know that Jesus came to her in the way that she needed to see Jesus in a moment when she needed to see Jesus that way, and isn't that how he came to Peter? Isn't that how he comes to us? Some of you are familiar with the Apostle Paul. He comes to Paul in a very different way, doesn't he? In, in, in a very authoritative way, in a very loud voice, almost terrifying Paul. And Paul responds to that authority. And, and so what I'm trying to get you to understand here is that Jesus will come in different ways. But here's the thing. Here's what I know. The call is always the same. He will reveal himself in a way that is meaningful to you, that is personal to you, that means something to you. He'll reveal himself in a way that you know he's God and that he knows your situation and you know he's in it. But the call is this, and we see this throughout Scripture. The call is always this, and Peter does it. They left everything and followed Jesus. The call is always not to bring Jesus into what you're already doing. The call is always not to bring Jesus along with what your plans already are, but to abandon everything you know in order to gain Jesus. And this is what the apostles do. This is what we see Peter do. And not long after Peter watching miracle after miracle, watching, hearing Jesus teach, seeing the crowds being fed, watching Jesus' love for people, hearing all this stuff, we find Simon Peter once again spouting truth that he doesn't completely understand. One time Jesus was teaching, he gave a very difficult, a hard teaching, and most of the people that were following him, they walked away because they could not accept the hard teaching that Jesus said. And Jesus turns to the apostles, he says, are you going to leave me too? And we read Peter's response in John 6. He says, Simon Peter answered him. Of course it was Peter that answered him. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And we have believed... And we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter gets it. Where else would we go? We left everything. Where else would we go? Because you are the Holy One of God. And Peter, uh, this isn't the only time that Peter does this. Another time Jesus asked them, uh, who do people say that I am? And we see the apostles' response in Matthew 16. They said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. And he said to them, who do you say that I am? And once again, Peter speaks up. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter got it. Man, he knew who God was. He knew that this was the Christ. This was the Messiah. This was the one they'd been waiting for. He had no doubt that this was Jesus. This was God in the flesh. But then something happened. 
And the story didn't go the way that Peter thought it was going to go. See, Peter thought that the Messiah would come and restore Israel to its former glory, the glory it had under King David. Peter thought that Jesus was going to rise up and and build an army and overthrow the Roman government that had taken occupation in the country of Israel, that he was going to restore the country, restore their borders, restore their practices, restore the temples, restore all of these things, that they were going to return to a former glory. That's where Peter thought this was all going. And you can read some of Peter's responses throughout the scripture that indicate this was Peter's thought. This was where they thought it was going. But it didn't happen that way. What happened instead is that Jesus gave up his life as a ransom. The one that was supposed to save them, the one that was supposed to be their savior, this hero that God was supposed to send to redeem them, is crucified. Gives up his life. And what we know is that in that moment, God laid on Jesus all the sin of the world. All the wrath of God poured out on him. All the guilt and shame laid on Jesus, and Jesus took it to the grave and rose again three days later. He revealed himself to Peter and the other apostles. He revealed himself to 500 people at one time, Uh, and over the next few days, Jesus would walk the earth as a resurrected person. And it's in that time that we catch up with Peter. See, Peter... Things hadn't gone the way Peter thought they were going to go. And when they were going south, Peter made a critical mistake. He denied that he even knew Jesus. He denied it three times. And Peter thought that this had changed everything, that this had disqualified him, that that somehow because the story didn't end the way he thought it was going to, because the destination wasn't what he thought the destination was going to be like, that somehow this changed everything. And so the next time we see Peter, when we catch up with Peter in the book of John, he's fishing again. Of course he is. It's what we do. Didn't go the way I thought it was going to. Let me go back to what I know. It didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. I'm just going to go back to what's familiar, to what's comfortable, to the life that I used to have, to the thing that I know. And this is where we find Peter and James and John. And once again, they fished all night. And once again, they've caught nothing. And Jesus... They don't recognize him. He comes walking along the shore. And he says, have you caught anything? And they say, no, nothing. And he says, put your your nets down on the other side of the boat. (laughs) And they do it. And they haul up a catch so large that the boat nearly capsizes. But here's what's funny. Peter still doesn't get it. Peter still doesn't recognize Jesus. It's the apostle John who's with them who says, it is the Lord. And at hearing this, Peter rips off his outer coat, jumps in the water. He can't get to Jesus fast enough. And, all, and they bring the fish in and they bring the boats in and they sit down with Jesus. And Jesus has prepared a little fire for them. They have breakfast together. And that's where I want to pick up the story. In John 21, 15, it says this. When they had finished eating breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, tend my sheep. A third time, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. 
This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And this happened to Peter. Christian tradition holds uh, that Peter, after a long ministry, uh, was put to death and was asked how he wanted to die as a martyr. And he asked to be crucified upside down because he couldn't bear the thought of being crucified in the same manner that Jesus was. And so he was crucified, put to death upside down for his faith. This happened. But here's the part that I want you to see. Jesus walks through this and restores Peter and says, hey, Peter, this is what I want you to do. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to feed my sheep, take care of my people. This is what I want you to do. But this is the last thing that Jesus says to him in John 21, 19. What does he finally say? He says to Peter, follow me. And all of a sudden, it makes sense. It's not a destination. It's a journey. See, we're not called to get to some level of righteousness, some level of goodness, some level of sinlessness, some level of knowing God, some level of of Bible knowledge. That's not what we're called to. We're not called to some sort of destination. What we are called to is a journey following Jesus. And Peter followed Jesus. And what I can tell you about this journey, those that have decided to take it, is that it is, without a doubt, the hardest, most challenging, most stretching, most painful, most difficult thing that we have ever done. But it is so incredibly worth it. Where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life and we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else would we go but to be with the Lord? And here's the crazy part. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the hard time, there is joy like you've never experienced. There is passion like you wouldn't believe. There is purpose that you never thought you could imagine having. There is so much to be gained on the journey but you have to make the decision to be on the journey. And that's the question for you this morning. Do you want the adventure? It's totally worth it. But if you want it, you have to make a decision. And that decision is this. Have you decided to follow Jesus? If you haven't, don't fill in those blanks. Don't write it down unless you mean it. Because this isn't, uh, this isn't a light thing that says, yeah, yeah, I want, I want Jesus in my life. I want the blessings that come with that. This isn't a light thing. This is a serious, significant thing. What it means to decide to follow Jesus at all costs, to leave everything behind and follow Jesus is this. I have decided to follow Jesus. Some of you know this old hymn that your church has sung for years and years. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What you might not know is where that hymn comes from. Many years ago, there were missionaries that went into the country of India. And at the time, it was a very tribal area, and they went to some of the tribes in the northeast part of the country. And these were very violent, brutal people. In fact, they were known as headhunters because the way that they proved their ability as men, the way that they proved their strength was by how many heads they could collect. Missionaries went in, and of course they were not well received initially, but they proclaimed the gospel and they converted one man and his family. And shortly after that, many people in the tribe came to know Jesus, came to profess Jesus, and the word of God spread through this community, but the village chief wasn't having it. 
And he called this original family to stand before him and before all of the people of the village to be questioned. And he said to him, renounce your faith or you're going to lose your life and the life of your family. And in an instant, God gave him that song. It's to the tune of an old Indian tribal uh, song. And he gave him the words in that moment. And in that moment, when the chief is standing there, threatening his family, threatening his life, the man sang out, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And at that response, the chief ordered his archers to shoot his children. And with his children lying on the ground, the chief asked him once again, will you now renounce your faith? And the man continued to sing, though no one joined me, still I will follow. Though no one joined me, still I will follow. Though no one joined me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. And the chief had the archer shoot his wife and his wife now lying on the ground. And he says, you've lost your entire family. Will you lose your life as well? And with his life on the line, the man sang out, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. And at this, the chief was moved and thought, why would this man risk his life and risk his family for someone who lived hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago? who he never met on another continent. And all of a sudden it became clear to him that this was the truth, that Jesus really was the son of God and he was converted and many, many people came to know Christ because of this man's boldness and his faith. But the reason I tell you that story is not to make a big deal about missionaries or make a big deal about this hymn, but because I want you to understand when you stand there and say, I have decided to follow Jesus, this is what you're committing to. This is the call. This is the journey. This is the adventure. No turning back. No turning back. It will cost you everything. But you will gain so much more. It is completely and totally worth it. So you make the decision today. Have you decided to follow Jesus with everything, to leave it all behind in order to follow him? What does that look like for you? The next statement in your bulletin, there's a big blank there. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus by. I don't know what it looks like for you. Peter was called to be uh, the head of the church in Jerusalem. He led the Jewish people, led the, the church there in Jerusalem. Paul was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles and he went and planted churches all over uh, the the place in in the known world and and converted many people into Christianity. Stephen was called to serve bread and he had an opportunity to preach one time in front of some people and gave a uh, a sermon that got him killed. I was called to stand here and proclaim to you the truth of who God is. 
Many of you have been called to work in children's ministry and to feed and take care of the sheep and lambs there and the student ministry. Guys, there's, there's no, nothing more significant than engaging with God's people. I don't know what the call for you is. Maybe it's to lead a life group. Maybe it's to step into kids' ministry. Maybe it's to step into something else. Maybe it's something I haven't even thought of. Maybe it's to be a missionary in another country. I don't know where he's calling you. I don't know what it means for you to follow Jesus except for this. I know it means this. It always involves this. Loving people and building his kingdom. Always.